Hello there, my name is Sabrina. Welcome to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. Are you a homeschooling mama? Either a first timer, or maybe you've already been at it for years. Maybe you're just thinking about it. I want to encourage you on this journey. Tune in every week to learn hard-won wisdom, practical advice, and tips from other homeschooling moms. You can do this. Welcome back to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. Today we're going to do part two with my daughter Rose. And uh, she talked last week about how literature, art, and music played such a big part in her own homeschooling growing up. And this week we're going to focus, so if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to part one because it's uh, really, really good. And she has so much to say about her own homeschooling years growing up with those three blessings in her life. But this week she's going to talk about giving those things to her own kids. So I'm going to read the quote again from Charlotte Mason that got us on this journey of talking about this. Here's the quote. Literature, art, music, all three can begin to be learned in the nursery. All three are a great possession, a possession for life. When the clouds of life drift about your children, these three will lead them through the mists to the mountaintops. And there they will find that the sun they had thought obscured is always shining in the eternal heavens. So today, uh, Rose is going to talk about how she incorporates each one of these three with her own children, who are age almost eight now, down to newborn. So welcome, Rose, again. And uh, why don't I'll just turn it over to you to start with books with your own children. Right. Um, Well, I mentioned last time that uh, growing up, we had had books all around our house. And um, I have continued that trend in my own house. So um, we are also surrounded by books. My kids have their own little bookshelf um, downstairs and they like to just sit around it and look at picture books or the ones they can read will read to themselves or even to their younger siblings now. Um, And then we just have bookshelf after bookshelf and we have pile after pile of books and they are everywhere. So, um, you know, it it worked for me, I think, turning me into a reader when I was a kid. So we're kind of doing the same thing. Um, We do have a, we always have one big book going as our read aloud book. Uh, right now, it's Little House in the Big Woods, which is the first of the Little House on the Prairie set. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But So we always have a, a big read aloud going on. And then um, usually, and, and I've talked about that before um, in a previous podcast episode, how we do that at mealtimes when my kids are kind of busy eating and their mouths are closed for the most part and they're eager to hear, some, hear a story. But we also, um, of course, read shorter books, you know, picture books to them throughout the day too. My husband often will read them a couple bed stories and they kind of take turns picking. So it's a mix in our house of both um, chapter books and picture books. And we try to go for the good stuff whenever we can. We do a lot of fairy tales, a lot of uh, folk folk tales from other countries, um, saint stories, stories of adventure. We try to kind of stick with the more classic stories and books for the kids. 
You have a um, list that you kind of use. Yes. Uh, we, yeah, there's all kinds of book lists out there. The one that we use in particular is the John Senior book list. He calls it the 1,000 good books. The idea is that children have to read 1,000 good books before they can eventually read the great books of literature. So we we do work on a, a list that is um, age appropriate, broken down by grade. So right now, you know, so of course I do have kids in different grades. I have a second grader, first grader, and then preschool and toddler. So right now we're just working off the second grade list because that's my oldest. Um, and we're just starting our Little House on the Prairie journey, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, as far as art goes, you know, I would love to give them some formal education in the future and um, some formal art education. Right now, they do a ton of arts and crafts. Um, it's just kind of their favorite thing, especially my oldest daughter. Um, lots and lots and lots of painting, uh, sewing, drawing with crayons, doing stencils, um, every single craft that you could do, they love. Um, so they have just a lot of fun. That's not really a formal part of their curriculum. But then we did also do, um, we just watched the set of Sister Wendy DVDs. Sister Wendy's, what is it, the great, I don't know, I'm blanking on the name. Sister Wendy's Great Masterpieces of Art or something like that. It was, I think, maybe a 10-hour series on art. Uh, the history of art from like cave paintings to the modern day and my kids actually really loved that I was kind of surprised <laughs> because I thought it might be a little bit dry uh, but they really loved it so we watched that with them um, and then I got them this set of playing cards like uh, the typical 52 card deck of playing cards and every card has a different art masterpiece on it and so my kids are starting to starting to know, you know, they recognize the Mona Lisa or they recognize Van Gogh's Starry Night and they'll see, you know, they'll see art in a book or whatever and they're actually starting to be able to identify certain works, which really amazes me. Um, I don't know that I could really have done that growing up, but they just kind of take to it naturally. They sort of have been absorbing it. Someday I'd like to take them to museums and, um, you know, go on a tour because I, I remember doing that now and then as a kid and just loving having somebody explain an art piece to me. Talk about your museum that you have upstairs in your house. Yes, so we, um, in the absence of going to a real museum at this part, at this you know time with the little kids, we have this beautiful, beautiful big art book upstairs. And it's probably a thousand pages and it's very oversized. It's like a very oversized coffee table book. Um, we even had to get a special stand for it because it's just so big. Uh, it needs a lot of support and so the kids are not allowed to touch the book because they will rip the pages because it's um, it's just such a big unwieldy book but it's beautiful full color illustrations of all these works of art so they, they call it their art museum and sometimes I'll tell them we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna we're gonna take a trip to the art museum and we'll flip a few pages until they see something that really kind of strikes their fancy and then we'll just stand there and stare at it and point out all the little details and they take turns pointing. They're not allowed to turn the pages, but they can they can point and look and um, and they call that their art museum. They really love it. They're, they're always asking me, can we go to the art museum today? Mm. Yeah. And just back to those playing cards, Rose, and I'll link them in the show notes. Mm. You got them from Rainbow Resource, which is yes. a fabulous resource for um, 
all kinds of things for educating your children. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned that the kids not only play normal card games with the cards, like go fish, but they have that other little game. Yeah. So, they, so of course it can be used for any, you know, a card deck can be used for all sorts of different games. So their favorite is go fish, but they've also, they play um, a version of the card game war. So in the card game war, each person flips up a card and the, the card with the, you know, the, the higher number wins and that the person wins that round. So they've play, they've decided to play this game of art war. And instead of flipping up the side that says like three of clubs or six of hearts, they flip the side with the art masterpiece and then they decide who won. <laughs> like who has the more beautiful art piece. So then they have and, to kind of discuss the, the yeah, art. Yeah, they have to discuss it. Every now and then there's a tie and they can't decide who has the better art piece. So then they'll appeal to the, the uh, two-year-old. <laughs> She's like the tiebreaker. <laughs> so I'll say, Lucy, which which art do you like better? And she'll say, hmm. And she kind of takes her time. Like she's deliberating, you know, copying them. Oh. And then she points. She says, I like this one. And, and she's the, whatever she says goes. Oh. Her, more, her word is law. So even the two-year-old is getting her art appreciation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. They like Van Gogh because Van Gogh painted a lot of flowers. Mm. He painted Starry Night and Sunflowers and a lot of... Uh, this impressionistic, you know, very colorful, impressionistic flowers. Yeah, and you said that you would like them eventually at least to be able to kind of have a general sense of an artist's mm -hmm. style. Yes. Yeah, when I listen to music, I can identify a lot of times either the work itself or at least um, identify who the composer was. And I would love to get to the point where both me and them, you know, where we can do that with art too identify you know because there have of course there have been trends in art over the centuries and um and i'd like to have some just some kind of general idea of the trends of art history and and different artists and kind of what made them tick and the stories behind them and their paintings okay and on to music now with the kids yeah so music um it's kind of like books i try to have it all over the place um we have, of course, you know, from their earliest childhood, we do a lot of nursery rhymes and mother goose and things like that. We have uh, a record player, and my husband's grandpa years ago gave us um, gave us this old set of records. Actually, when we uh, when we got married at our wedding reception, he said, "Do you plan to have kids?" We told him, well, "Yeah, we hope so. We plan on it." And uh, and he said, "Oh, good, I have something for you." And he's and a few weeks later, this huge box of records from like the sixties and seventies appeared on our doorstep, and they were all children's records. They were like nursery rhymes, uh, lots of mother goose mother goose nursery rhymes set to music, and like old fashioned Walt Disney records. Uh, so we have those, and I think they belong to my husband's aunt maybe when she was a kid. So we have those, and we play them. The kids will pick their record. They enjoy that. And then we also listen to a lot of classical music. Uh, sometimes that's in the car, just whatever happens to come on the radio. We'll listen to classical music station. Um, and then I'm trying to just give my kids little snatches of music here and there to get them to start, um, over time, identifying works and composers and uh, just kind of teach them a little bit about music. Like one day... You know, we were talking about waltzes. I think we had been watching The Nutcracker or Sleeping Beauty or something. We talked about waltzes. And so I just went on YouTube and I pulled up 
maybe 10 different famous waltzes that have been written throughout, um, you know, throughout the past few centuries and played them one after the other. So the kids could kind of get the idea of what the rhythm was like. We, we tried dancing, you know, some, I, I don't know how to dance a waltz, but we just danced around the room to the waltz music. Um, we also, I'll often set, I'll often set up our um, music box to play some classical music. Uh, so the music box that we have that's our record player also will work via Bluetooth. So again, I can look up anything I want on YouTube and just play that, you know, loud or soft, depending on what we're going for. So my favorite thing to do when the kids are supposed to be picking up the living room, like picking up all their toys, is I put on a piece of classical music and I'll choose something really fun and fast, uh, like a three or four minute work. One of their favorites is the Can Can, um, which is from an opera actually. And then also In the Hall of the Mountain King, which starts out really quiet and slow and then it builds and it gets faster and faster. And I'll tell them they have to have the room cleaned up by the end of the song. And then the song gets more and more <laughs> intense and it gets louder and faster. And they just are going crazy, uh, you know, throwing the toys in the boxes and, and cleaning up. And it gets the job done and it gives them the music at the same time. So. Yeah. And I know this sounds amazing for kids that are age eight and under, but you've started to expose them to a little bit of opera. Can you talk about yes. that? Yeah, that was a pandemic thing that started last year. It's almost two years ago now um, when, you know, a lot of things shut down and the New York Metropolitan Opera uh, for several weeks and maybe even a few months, they had a new opera every night that they would post for free on their website so we could watch the opera of the day. And we used to watch at least part of it every day. And uh, you know, again, that just gave the kids exposure to all these different composers and styles of music. And some of the operas are really funny, like slapstick comedy. You know, it's like watching, watching kind of Abbott and Costello like slapstick. Um, some operas are like that. Some are really intense, like Shakespearean drama um, or ancient Greek mythology. You know, in an opera form. So it it actually was really interesting because it would. We would we often were finding this um, kind of link between the literature and the music, and so we might read a children's version of a Shakespeare story and also watch the opera, or like some operas are Bible stories, so we'd go to the children's Bible, pull up the story, um, you know, read the children's story in the Bible, and also watch the opera. So yeah, that was really that was fun, and I was surprised again. And maybe it was just that my kids don't watch a lot of TV, and so they really liked having a movie on. But they really enjoyed the operas every yeah. night. Yeah, I think the fact that they don't watch much means that even yeah. if it's an opera, it's a big thrill. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I I couldn't believe some of the comic operas. They were just like rolling, laughing. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so. Uh, the the quote talks about literature, art, and music leading you through the clouds of life drifting about you. And I wondered if you have examples of that happening with your kids. Sure. Um, you know, my kids are little, and they haven't really experienced a lot of hardship in their life, luckily. And we've been very blessed. And, of course, I don't want them to experience hardship, but we all know it's going to happen in life. We all have hard times. Um, the one thing I can say that's been hard for my kids the last couple of years is that they don't have any cousins in their immediate vicinity anymore. We used to have a lot of cousins in the area and 
they've moved away. Um, and so that's, you know, one thing that's, that really has been a difficulty for my kids over the last couple of years. And we were just, um, I mentioned we've been reading the Little House on the Prairie series, actually listening in an audiobook, And we just heard the story of their Christmas and how their cousins came from, you know, some number of hours away by sled mm-hmm. and stayed for a few days. <laughs> and, um, and it, you know, it was just so interesting to hear for my kids. I think they said, oh, their cousin, you know, we had just um, seen some of our, some of my kids' cousins over Thanksgiving that they hadn't seen for a few years. And they all just had so much fun together. And, you know, cousins are like instant friends. There's no awkwardness or they, they just had so much fun together at Thanksgiving. And so for my kids, listening to this story of how the the Ingalls family, the Little House family, had their cousins visit and they hadn't seen their cousins for a couple of years. And I, they really identified with that. They really loved hearing hearing the story of of the Christmas uh, celebration and um, it also was just kind of a comfort to me that you know these the little house family the Ingalls family they lived really by themselves you know for the most part and the siblings all had each other and they obviously didn't go to school either and maybe they did later you know down the road when as the community grew but um, but I'm just struck so much by some of the similarities between our life and the and the Ingalls family's life. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, one one thing that they um my kids also it's been a real eye opener because in some ways our lives are very similar. Like we're we're very much at home a lot. We do vegetable gardening, we bake our own bread. There's a lot of things that we do that are similar to the Ingalls family. But at the same time our lives are extremely different. Um there was a whole chapter almost about how they made butter and you know we heard about how they churned the butter it took all day they took turns churning the butter because their <laughs> arms got tired <laughs> and then you know ma wanted pretty butter we, the butter was white i guess it wasn't yellow enough to her liking she liked it to look pretty so she went and grated a carrot and it goes into all this detail of how she grated the carrot and she boiled it with milk and she turned the milk yellow and then she used that yellow make milk to color the butter just so that it was pretty for the table. And um, it was pretty amazing for me to hear because, you know, there's always the temptation to just kind of do things quickly. And then hearing how Ma, you know, churned her butter and, and made it pretty with the yellow, like, natural food coloring. And then my daughter, who's eight, almost eight, said, why didn't they just go to the store and get the butter? <laughs> so that was a good discussion. I think it's made uh, made our kids appreciate a little bit the yeah. things that they have. We also heard about their Christmas. And, you know, everything they got for Christmas was homemade. It was like a doll whittled out of a stick or a doll made out of um, made out of leftover fabric with buttons for eyes and, and a little candy. And so it's really been great for my kids to to understand this other way of life that um, that people had and and understand that the the world didn't used to be the same as what it is now. They just we all take a lot for granted. They didn't real, you know, they didn't even realize probably that people had no light. You know, their their light was all by candle or kerosene lantern and my kids are used to flipping on the light switch. So, it's a good um it's a good way for them to appreciate all of the modern conveniences that we have, but also to kind of see that people are the same from one century to the next and you know their kids the kids in the in the little house family have adventures and our kids have their little backyard adventures and 
So there's similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. That's been good for them to see that. Mm-hmm. Makes yeah. them appreciate what they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and me too. And it kind of makes me want to up my game uh, as far as cooking and making things look pretty <laughs> when I heard about mawn or butter. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, so yeah. good. Rose, this has been wonderful. Um, Just in wrapping up now, is there any advice you'd give to other moms who want to surround their kids with these three things? Um, The main thing I'd say is that your kids are not too young. Um, You know, like, surprisingly, my kids enjoyed opera, even though most, a lot of adults don't enjoy opera, or they they might think it's crazy, you know, to expose your kids to that. Um, Or, like, a lot of... uh, picture books are you know don't really have either a great lesson or they're not don't really have redeeming qualities so you know look for good things look for kind of the best you can't go wrong sticking with classic literature whether it's children's literature or adult literature um i i think kids naturally are drawn to beautiful art beautiful music beautiful literature beautiful language in literature so it's really good to just expose them, even if it's little, like five minutes here and there a day. It all adds up over time. Um, you know, you've got years to do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes one day might not seem like a lot, but it does add up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and all those things can be done in little snippets with a wide variety of ages, too. I don't feel like um, I have to do things so much separately with my two-year-old that I compared to the eight-year-old we do kind of everything together there's sometimes you know my eight-year-old's maybe not going to enjoy a nursery rhyme book as much as the two-year-old for example but for the most part they kind of do a lot together and it it helps with that kind of shared um shared experience and shared family culture as they all grow up together too yeah thank you rose this was really really good love everything you said Thanks. It was so fun to talk. These are some of my favorite topics. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time.